Hey, Tommy from The Run Testers, another podcast special. In this episode, I'm going to be speaking to Kafuzi, a man that, if you're a fan of our channel, you probably know quite a bit about him already. We're going to be talking about loads of stuff from his favourite shoes, the type of foam he likes, to what he has coming up in terms of races. Hope you enjoy it. So welcome, Mike, or Kafuzi, as most people who are listening to this will, will, will know you as. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Great. Well, we've we've met before. We met in when uh, we both did Chicago Marathon, which is, of course, where, where you live. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think most people who watch or, or, or listen to, to the Run Testers will know of you very, very well. So I don't think... I don't think we need to do massive introductions, but it'd be good to just find out a bit more about how did you get into running? Uh, well, running was something that I kind of have been doing my entire life, kind of been on and off. I started uh, running in middle school, so right around where uh, my daughter's age right now, so like 10 or 11 years old. It's an after-school program that we have available here in the States. Um, a little bit different than the way you guys do kind of run clubs uh, over there, but um, a lot of people in the U.S. get introduced to running usually around that age is kind of like the earliest ages that kids get involved generally, or maybe a little bit older in high school. And that's when I started. So you've been running for a while then? Yeah. You know, it's been on and off too. So like uh, I did it all through school I and I ran a little bit in college, but then I took a very long break in my adult years, kind of like a lot of people do. And then I came back to it kind of as a, not an old adult, but as a little bit older of a, of an adult. Nice. And you... You haven't always been a uh, running expert, have you? You actually you had a, a, a another job before you started doing this full time. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like, ah, uh, I'm not sure when I became a running expert, if I can even call myself that at this point. But no, I mean, like, have kind of like existing in this space, doing this kind of thing, uh, is relatively new. I only started doing it full time a couple of years ago, and before that, I was in the legal space. So I did go to law school, but I never really practiced law uh, in the traditional sense. Instead, I went into consulting and I was helping attorneys who were conducting trials and so helping them with the presentation aspects uh, of their storytelling. Wow. Bit of a bit of a change in uh, career then. Uh, it's, it's very different. Uh, the things you wear are a little bit different, but ultimately a lot of the goals are the same uh, in terms of what I was doing. If you can kind of abstract out a little bit from it, because it was uh, about incorporating technology into helping people tell stories better. And so that's kind of what I did in the courtroom. And I'm kind of now applying a lot of those skills, you know, on the internet now, just in a very different kind of forum. Okay. And then the name Kafuzi. Mm -hmm. where, where does this come from? Uh, I mean, it's an old like college drinking name from, right. to be honest, that's like originally where it came from, mm -hmm. but like the, the name itself, Co is my last name. And then in college I was taking like a, like a, uh, East Asian religions, uh, or East Asian studies, some sort of like intro survey class. Um, we were learning about Confucius and so his last name was okay. Kong and Futsu, I think is in the Chinese. I don't speak Chinese, but I think that's how you say it translated roughly to like master teacher, but it got like Amer not Americanized, but anglicized into Confucius from Kung Fu Tzu. So then I kind of played around with that and made Ko Fu Zi, you know, wow. the kind of like Americanized version of the anglicized version of Confucius. So kind of like two layers of separation there. It was really nerdy, but it was kind of fun. To, <laughs> that's to a lot more confusing than I was expecting as an explanation. <laughs> Yeah, so that's where it kind of came from. But then it was just more more of kind of like a nickname I gave myself in college. And then it went away for a long time and then I brought it I brought it back for the YouTube channel. 
Nice. Well, it works. Okay. It's, uh, definitely, definitely a name that people remember when they're uh, into the shoe world. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think uh, it's fun to have kind of like a, you know, like because when I started making videos again, uh, these days everyone just uses their regular name. But at the time, it was still kind of at the tail end of when everyone kind of had a handle on the yeah. internet. And so, like, yeah, like had it been like a year or two later when I started making videos on the internet, it probably would have just been under my regular name. But since it was, it's a kind of a product of the time. So yeah. it was, it's Kofuzi. It's a pseudonym rather than a regular name. Well, you're lucky it's quite a cool sounding name. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of people who have got handles that aren't quite as, um, quite as, that sound quite as good. Yeah, got- well, and and also like it gives you a sense of like how kind of how old I am too, because it's not like Kofuzi like seventeen three nine four. You know, it's yes. just it's there's no letters or numbers afterwards. It's just Kofuzi. <laughs> yeah, well, we won't talk about how old we are. Uh... <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, let's dive into what people are listening for, and that's uh, the shoes. So, yeah. a lot of these questions are questions that I've asked other guests, and it's interesting to see. Basically, what the difference is in what people people are people are coming back with, and uh, one of the, one of the big ones I always ask is, what is the first running shoe? And you've been running for a while. There's a lot of people that I've spoken to who maybe started running later in life. So the shoes that they answer with are probably going to be a bit different than yours. But what's the shoe that you really remember blowing you away, and you thought, wow, this this there's something really special about this running shoe? I mean, I think it'd have to go to be one of my old like sentimental favorites, and that's going to be the Nike Pegasus 32 Shield. Wow. Um, okay. I'd enjoyed the Pegasus 32 a lot. I think I bought three or four pairs of those that year. I thought I, I think I bought like three or four pairs of that shoe in that year. And then I was thinking, you know what? I always kind of run in the summer and then I take all winter off and then I get out of shape and then I have to redo it all over again. There, Even though I live in Chicago and the winters are hard. And, and I was just thinking there's got to be a better way for me to kind of run all year round, even though the Chicago winters can get messy. And so I kind of like went onto like the Nike website and did like a chat and I was like, Hey, I'm looking for, I really like this shoe, but I need something to run in the winter. And they were like, well, we have a shield version. And I was like, Oh, for real? I didn't know that. And so I bought that one, ended up loving it. And it was kind of unlocked for me, the idea that I can run year round and that I don't have to kind of like, you know, start over every single spring. And so that, that shoe meant a lot to me. And I also just really liked it. I still have that shoe now um just have have, it's one of the few shoes that i've held on to from way back then uh because it it meant a lot to me to be able to kind of unlock that and this was back in a time where you maybe had one pair of shoes yeah that was usually like one pair of shoes at a time and so um maybe i had two to kind of alternate but it'll be two of the same shoe so i think from like pegasus 32 to like 34 that's the only shoe that i bought and I would just buy multiple pairs of them over and over again. Yeah, it's pretty pretty common, I imagine. If when it, when you've got one pair of shoes, you just stick with the 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 one that you're comfortable with. Yeah, I mean, well, at the time, you know, there weren't like a ton of like the ecosystem wasn't as robust now in terms of the information that was out there, or maybe it was, but I was just having a harder time finding it. And so, like, I could either get this shoe that I know works for me, or I could take a risk on something else. And I just didn't want to take all those risks. And yeah. so um, I was like, this one works. I like it. So let's just buy it again and keep going. Well, that's, yeah, that's definitely older, the, an older version of a shoe that, than we've had previously on the, okay. on the podcast. <laughs> all right, well, uh, let's, let's talk about current shoes then. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we can, I can see from your background, which is a real background, yeah, there's, um, there's real shoes. <laughs> real shoes that you probably there's a lot to choose from, and it, it's a it's a it's a tricky one. I have the same problem. I've got a pile of shoes, not as neat as yours, but um, yeah. And and choosing my current favorites is really difficult. So what what would you say at the moment are those shoes that are really standing out to you? 
Um, well, I just finished running and for me, finishing running in a shoe is usually hundred miles just cause I want to make sure I'm getting to as many shoes in the year as possible. Um, so I just finished running in the Nimbus 25. Absolutely love that shoe. I'm running, I just finished running also in the cloud surfer, which on has never been kind of near the top of my list for their shoes. So really excited to, to see that they have a great one. And, uh, just today I ran in the deviate nitro too, which I think, I think may be Puma's best shoe that they have out right now. I think it's, it's a great shoe and it has gotten a lot of attention, but I still think it's a little bit underrated. So that's just been a really great shoe for me. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting year for, there's a lot of shoes, uh, it's a lot of brands that are reinventing some of their lines. Uh, you picked two there and um, both of them were massive surprise to to me when uh, the Nimbus, I've never been a massive fan of the Nimbus. It's always been sort of a solid shoe, but yeah, I think uh, a, lot, a lot of the run testers are really, really impressed with that shoe. And the Cloud Surfer is, yeah, it's not often we get an on shoe and everyone says, wow, this is, this is good shoe. This is there's something about this shoe. How how are you finding um, what are you finding the Cloud Surfer? Uh, was it Cloud Surfer Seven? It is. Um, what is the what are you finding is the best use for that shoe? I really like it for just kind of everyday general daily training. And so, like if I am going for an easy run, it's a pretty good choice. If I need to throw some strides into the run, it can certainly handle it. And I think it's even soft enough for me to take on some recovery runs as well. Depending on kind of what else you have in the rotation, it may be one of the softer shoes that you have. And so I kind of really gravitate to like soft, mushier shoes for recovery. It's not the softest, mushiest shoe in my kind of collection, but it is on the softer end, which I think is very unique for On, because for me, On historically have been a little bit on the firmer side. So it's been really refreshing to see them willing to tinker and change and experiment with something that's important to them as a cloud surfer. Mm, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I'd be really enjoying it. I've not, are you at 100 miles in the, the, the cloud surfer now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how is it holding up? That's one of the questions we get quite a lot. And I don't think any of us have got to 100 miles in it yet. Yeah, I I still like it. And so that's another unique thing for me. Like there's been a couple of on shoes where the first couple of runs, I'm like, this is it. On's finally like they're on that upper trajectory. I'm really excited about this. And then about like, you know, halfway through 50, 60 miles of my testing, then I'm like, I don't really feel like running in this shoe anymore. But with the on cloud surfer, I continued to want to reach for it. And so that was really exciting and um, a really good sign for me. I think that it might not be quite as like peppy as it was right out of the box, but uh, it doesn't feel like it's dying anytime soon. So it's a little bit more on the comfort size than it is on the speedy side for me at 100 miles. But, you know, for what I want that shoe to be, I think that's a great kind of like change or like kind of development. And it's progressing in a way that uh, is really pleasant for me. Yeah, it should be really exciting to see how they use that foam in across the other shoes as well. Yeah, I, I definitely think that um, yeah, it's a really good, really good move for on to to, to start doing that. Um, I always always find with when you've got as many shoes as we've got that if it's a shoe that you you want to take out out of you know, I've, you know you've, I don't know how many you've got, but I've probably got eighty to hundred pairs floating around the house. And if there's a shoe that I constantly pick up out of that pile, that's a pretty good sign that. It's there's something going on with that shoe that that's that's really making it work. Yeah, I mean, and for me, that's like a primary indicator of when I if if I think a shoe is still good at that hundred mile mark is mm-hmm. do I still feel like running in it? You know, because you know, n- there's not a lot of shoes that are bad, um, but there's a lot of shoes where I'm just like, mm, I don't really want to run in that, but I probably need to for testing purposes. You know, so so I do get that from time to time, and so like I always try to notice when I'm excited to run in a shoe at that hundred mile mark. And I always try to like, in terms of my reviewing kind of process, I always try to 
like think about like, well, why, why am I so excited? Like what's getting my interest peaked uh, and why does it keep floating to top of mind for that shoe? And so that's one that, that has, and um, yeah, it's been, it's been really good to see from on because, you know, they do a lot of things right from the brand. And like, sometimes the shoes haven't kind of lived up to what the rest of the brand is doing. And now I feel like they're becoming like that whole package. All right. So we spoke a bit about foams there. Um, what is your, this may be a difficult one for you to answer, but what is your, what is your favorite foam in a shoe? What, what brand has got the foam that you think this is the really at the, at the top of the list here? Yeah. Right now I think it's gotta be FF blast plus. So like, I think that there's a lot of things that they've been doing with it. So it can be a variety of different densities, which I know can be very confusing to, to consumers, but they can do a lot of things with it. So it can serve as a max cushion shoe in the in the Nimbus 25 and it can serve as a daily trainer in the Nova Blast 3 and it could be a speed day shoe in the Magic Speed 3. So it could do a lot of different things, but I just generally feel like if that's in the shoe, there's a pretty strong indicator that I'm going to like it. So that's kind of number clear number one for me, but number two behind it is probably fuel cell, but I, I love fuel cell more in kind of daily trading applications and it's not my favorite racing foam but for like in the rebel three i think it's really fantastic so that's another foam where i'm like if it's in like rebel three daily training type of uh, application i'm like that's going to be a fun squishy bouncy foam because i like the foams that move a lot and so like i know that one does yeah i'm fully with you on that one it's uh, i sort of want a shoe regardless of what i'm using it for to to sort of feel it on the run and there's a lot of shoes that you get where you go out for your run, you come in, you don't think about the shoe. That's not a bad thing. There's some people that's probably quite good because, you know, you don't have to worry about it. But yeah, I think I did, definitely for me, fuel cell is one of my top ones because I just, as soon as you get a fuel cell shoe, you look at it and you go, I know this is going to be, this is going to feel interesting. It might not necessarily feel, you know, the same as another fuel cell shoe, but you know, there's going to be a bit of life in that. And I think that's an interesting comparison between the fuel cell and the other foams uh, that, that the brand's got because they really do feel very different and it's sometimes you get one of those one of the other shoes and you go just wish it had fuel cell in everything else is right <laughs> about this shoe just just wish it had a bit of fuel cell but you know it's probably there's people that like the more stable traditional style foam um as, a, as opposed to that fuel cell but yeah i agree with you fuel cell is a fantastic foam okay so from good things to bad things is there Anything about running shoes that something that the brands do or a specific brand has done where you think you're not very happy about you infuriates you a bit that brands are doing this? Uh, you know, I, I feel like that sometimes, I mean, one of the, one thing that comes to mind that I reviewed recently was the, the Pegasus and I, and I'm very frustrated with the way Nike's treating the react foam in the Pegasus because react can be a really good foam. I mean, there are some of my favorite running shoes have had react foam in it. But the Pegasus always, well, not always, but since like 37 to, to now we're on number 40, you just feel like they're putting a very dense version of React Foam in there. And I don't understand why. It's kind of like the later versions of the Zoom Fly, just very stiff. And it kind of takes all the fun parts out of React. And it just makes it feel kind of like a brick, in my my opinion, to be very blunt. And so like, that's always frustrating to me in that, to extrapolate what frustrates me about brands, not just that brand of Nike is that sometimes like brands will get very stuck into like, well, this is kind of what the consumer is expecting from this shoe. So we can't deviate too much from it. Um, And so I feel like there's a lot of times where it's just a lot of kind of fear of uh, adapting and updating that keeps shoes 
from being, you know, really what they could be given what other new technologies are available or what other kind of features that they can put into a shoe. Yeah, it's tricky. It's a tricky one, isn't it? I think we. I talked to to to, to the, some of the guys about this the other day, where you have these certain Pegasus is one of these brands that is it's so steeped in legacy and history that, like you said, um, you you had so many versions of the Pegasus, and there's probably thousands of people that do that. I like the Pegasus. I've been running in it all the time. I'm not going to risk getting another shoe. Um, and you have other ones as well, like the, the, the Clifton. The Clifton has always been pretty much the same sort of shoe. And have, have you tried the, the latest Clifton? Is it the nine? Um, yeah, out? yeah. I feel like the nine is a departure, yeah. you know. And so yeah. that's one of those re- most situations where, like, you can depart from kind of like what the I guess the franchise has traditionally been. And I think it's very successful. I think yeah. it's for me, it's one of the best Cliftons that I've ever run in. Um, but I can understand that there might be some of like those people that. I mean, I feel like people that ran in the Clifton one are just like a special breed of people. They have a different level of fandom for the Clifton and they also seem to hate all the new Cliftons. Um, So like, uh, you know, you you may be alienating them, but like, I think that the Clifton nine is one of the more approachable Cliftons that they've ever made. And it's the daily trainer. It's kind of like the workhorse in the stable. I feel like that shoe needs to be as approachable as possible. And I think the direction they're going on it is really good. And so like you can have, you know, uh, like a keystone shoe in the lineup change and still be successful. Yeah, it's a, it's a fine line, isn't it? And I, th- I think what I find with the Clifton 9 is that I, I've never liked the Clifton range. Every time I get oh. one, I'm like, oh, okay, I've got, to, <laughs> I've got to test this one now, have I? And it's a bit dull. It's a bit bit firm. And then I normally like, and I'm not quite sure what to use it for. But I remember getting the, the Clifton 9 and just thinking, oh, hold on. There's a little bit, not the same as the Cloud Surfer, but it's a bit softer. It just feels like there's more to that shoe. And I remember running it going, oh, actually... To actually mind this this is quite good um but it's not too far away so it's it hasn't really alienated the fan base it's just just tweaked it a bit uh which i think is a smart way to go i'd like to see the pegasus do that and and and, and sort of yeah you know i really thought with the 40th version it'd be like a 40th anniversary version you know i thought there would be more fanfare as well yeah and so it's kind of like I wouldn't say a lifelong fan, but as like a long time Pegasus fan, um, I was very disappointed that it was just like, here's number 40. We put another Zoom Air pocket in there, you know, and I was just like, uh, I know that it is a big deal. That's not a small thing, but like it's 40. That, yeah. I mean, it's a big deal. And I just felt like there, that was another kind of miss by Nike on that one. Yeah, and every and every every time these new shoes gets released, they're slightly more expensive, and <laughs> you you go, you go through this whole thing where it's as a shoe reviewer, it becomes very difficult to say get this shoe because when it's something like the, the Pegasus Fort, you go, you don't need if you've got the older one, you've got mm-hmm. you've got the basically the same thing, or or just go and buy the older one. It's very difficult to to say, oh, get the new one, which is more expensive for no for no reason. So. Uh, and and I think that's a lot of brands know that now. And you look at the likes of uh, Asics; they're really changing up what they're doing. So you know, if you if you look at something like the Nimbus Twenty Five, you go, well, actually, this is a different shoe. So Twenty Four is not going to do the job for you if you want all these these benefits. Um, right. Yeah. And uh, yes. Uh, all right. So uh, this is a big question for you, um, and uh, it's my favorite question of, of, okay. of that we do. It's uh, the Frankenstein shoe question. Now, this is basically. Okay. If you could make a shoe out of different elements of of all the different brands out there or different shoes out there, what would you what would your shoe be made of? 
Uh, that's an interesting question. You know, I get the question, like similar questions a lot, like what would you design if you were designing your own shoe? And I say like, you don't want me to do that because it would look like a Franken shoe. So I like this question a lot. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't think I, I don't want to make a shoe. I don't want to be a shoe designer or anything like that. But I don't, I think that like the closest thing to a Frankenstein shoe that I would ever want, I think kind of exists already. And it would be like something very much like the Primax, okay. something that is like kind of ludicrously tall because I live big, tall shoes uh, to the point that they're unstable. I've told many brands, like, if you want to make a, a fun shoe, make it like, ooh, I think people are going to hurt their ankles on this. Then you're on the right track. So that's kind of like what I want, something that's kind of like unstable, something that's like super bouncy. So like the Primex uh, with its two layers of carbon, the energy blades and then the, the energy rods that are in there um, definitely is something that's super fun. Um, the light strike pro that's in there is also really fun too, but I was like, you know, if we're going to go Frankenstein, let's put a bunch of fuel cell in there. Cause that is super squishy and is going to move a lot. So like, that would be a lot of fun. And then let's put a knit upper on top, you know? So like that, I love knit uppers. I think that they're underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, anything with a knit upper, I'm just going to instantly love. So that, I think that's kind of would be my Frankenstein shoe, mostly prime, like, you know, mostly prime X with a couple of tweaks. I have many friends who would very much jump at the chance of getting that shoe. <laughs> what are you, what are you thinking? 90 millimeters? <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, for, if we're making a Frankenstein shoe, especially if it's fuel cell, I think we could crack 50 easy. I mean, we should go to like 55, maybe. Why not? Why not? Might as well. <laughs> yeah. As long as you're not running on the... Uh... <laughs> trails or something but that's uh, exactly. a nice flat road you'll be you'll be all right yeah. but i imagine i imagine over the in, in the future we'll see some of those just you know fun shoes coming out um, yeah you know here's the thing i think that like if if you were to run along the charles in boston i think that if you just waited like on a park bench long enough you probably would see something like that because there's a lot of brands that are headquartered in that area yes yeah. and i my my understanding is that like a lot of times these product guys will get together and just run in their shoes. And so you could be seeing this random group of like three or four guys running along the Charles River in Boston. And you might see something that ludicrous. Yeah. Um, and it could be from a variety of brands, but none of them will have logos on it. So that would be your that that'd be your key. So, you know, maybe we need to do like a shoe shoe spotting kind of day. Uh, on yeah. in well, I'll be in Boston next year. So I'll, I'll get okay. there a bit early and and, right. and, uh, <laughs> and and do some watching. But I, I know some of those brands and I do know some of the uh, discussions and yeah like not prototypes they look at and things like that and yeah i'm with you it's uh some interesting stuff going on okay so let's move away from shoes slightly and talk about running accessories so is is there just an accessory that you just can't live without it might be something you've had for years and it's just always there um what what have you got yeah i mean for me it'd be the gopro so i take the gopro with me for every single run just because every run i'm testing a shoe uh and so like i just collect all the footage and also you never know what's weird is going to happen you spend enough time running and you know this you're going to end up seeing some weird stuff and sometimes you'll be like i wish i had that on camera because no one's going to believe the story so you know you know i always just like to have the the, the camera with me uh, for that reason, a lot of people, you know, will run with their phones and they could do something pretty similar to that. But for me, the thing that I'm always running with is a GoPro. Nice. Are you on the GoPro 11? Yeah. Haven't tried that one yet. I've been holding it up. I thought I'd skip this one and then get the 12. It sounds yeah, like there's I mean, going to be some big changes in 12. Yeah, I think that's a good move. If you're on the 10, there's not really a lot of reasons to get the 11, in my opinion. But if you're on like 
nine or eight, then, you know, I so I feel like GoPros are getting to that point where it's like every other year is a really good time to upgrade. I get one every year just because I'm pretty hard on them. I run with one every day, but also like I review them every year. And so like, that's the reason why I get it. But I think for, for most people out there, like getting one every year is not really necessary. And you've not, you've not, man, you've not wanted to investigate. You have got an Insta, haven't you? Insta 360. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and how do you find it? You, you use the uh, X2, don't you? Uh, X2 and X3. So like okay. those are the two that I've been using. The X3 updated. And so now they have the high frame rate again. Yeah. Um, so that was a little bit of a kind of a, not a, I don't want to call it a fiasco. Well, maybe it was a fiasco with them, you know? So there was a little problems with kind of the release of the, the latest 360 camera. But since then, like through firmware updates, those have been resolved. So I've been really enjoying that one. I like their 360 camera. I don't really love the Go. They're little small ones yeah. quite as much. Yeah. I could see why they're very popular with runners, but uh, they just don't. I don't find too much benefit in the extra lightness of it because I'm used to carrying a GoPro sized one. And the GoPro yeah. gives me a little bit better resolution and clarity. So I prefer that. Yeah, I tend to use the GoPro more than that. I, I tend to use the Insta360 X3 if I, mm-hmm. I, I want to have a play and come up with some interesting shots. But yeah. really the GoPro is my, if I'm doing shoe shots, they're the best the best quality I can get. Yeah, yeah, I agree. This is, and, and there's a question for you then. Um, I don't normally talk to people about cameras, normally just talk about shoes, but I know you're quite keen on the, the cameras as well. So when you're running, do you always hold the GoPro or is it, do you have like a holster to put it in? No, it's always in my hand, but like uh, I'm kind of holding it like as you would, like if you were walking around with a hammer, you wouldn't just walk around with it at the end. You might hold it at the top because mm-hmm. then it's kind of like uh, the, the balance is a little bit better. So yeah. I have like a stick and then the GoPro is on top and I'm kind of holding the stick. Um, so I'm holding it kind of like at the base of where the GoPro would be. Yes. And for like 95% of the run, it's like that. And then I only, it's only like the stick is only extended when I'm filming and the clips are usually pretty short, like 10, 10 seconds. Yeah. 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 I've, I've always been, um, I've always wanted, cause I, cause I might take mine. I, it'll be a, I don't know, two hour run and I get really, when it's hot, it gets really sweaty in the hand. Mm-hmm. So I, re- I really want some sort of holster. I was thinking like a He-Man holster in the back, like yeah. just pull out and, and quickly film and then stick it back in. But I haven't found anything that works yet. Yeah, you know, one thing that I did, because I tried to film uh, an FKT attempt that I did, it was a 30-mile attempt, and uh, I knew that it was going to get super sweaty and gross. And then once, like, the sweat gets on there, then your footage is all just kind of cloudy, and then you're just ruined for the rest of the run. And so I was like, well, I got to figure out a way to to avoid that problem, and I also wanted to use a little bit of 360 camera and a little bit of GoPro. And so I eventually found this mount that kind of, it's like a magnetic mount, so you can quick change on your stick, and then... I would, in my pack, put the camera inside like a Ziploc bag. So that way, you know, when it's real sweaty, your pack's going to get sweaty too. And that wetness is what ruins like the camera image. And so I'd put it inside a plastic bag. And then I also in another bag had like dry paper towels. So that way I could like wipe off the sweat if it did get sweaty. So that's like the only things you could do. But it only works really if you have a a pack with you. Um, And so like for races, it doesn't work. And a lot of times for races, you just got to like, hopefully you're not dripping sweat down your arm onto the camera because then your your footage isn't going to be as good. Yeah. It's uh, people listening to this probably don't know the pain of trying to get shoe running shoe footage, especially when it's raining and uh, you've got to keep uh, wiping the top because even when you wipe them, it sometimes still doesn't look great, does it? Yeah. yeah, It's hard work, people. Don't (laughs) don't take it for granted. Yeah. Um, Yeah. All right, well, you mentioned races there. Now, you've, you've done a lot of races over the past. Well, you, some people I speak to have only been racing for a few years. You, you, when, when did you start probably doing endurance racing? Uh, my first marathon was in 2010. 
mm-hmm. and it went terribly. So I took a six year break from running. Right. After that. And then I get back to marathoning maybe 2017. And out of, how many have you done now, do you think? I, I don't keep track anymore. I think I did five or six last year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You, 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 you do, you do a lot of race videos, don't you? It's um, yeah. 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 So out of all of the marathons you've done, which I'm, I'm guessing you, I, I might know your answer, but which is, which is your favorite? I, I would have to say, uh, you know, I, I have to give two answers. Chicago is like my hometown race and it's a world marathon major. And I feel like I get to like welcome everyone to my home. So I love that one. Um, but I also just ran Tokyo and like that was just like running in a different world. So uh, it was a phenomenal experience. I highly recommend it. If anyone has the chance or if you're thinking about it, I'd say do it. It's an incredible race. So between those two. Nice. Well, I, I, I don't need any tips for Chicago because I already got those off <laughs> you before before I raced or before we both raced. But uh, I will be doing Tokyo hopefully year after next. So I probably will yeah. come to you for some tips. For cool. That. Yeah. Are you, have you done um, Have you done all the, well, that, all the majors you've done now or is there some that you still need to do? No, I have two left. So I have to do London and Berlin and then I'll have all six. Are you doing either of them anytime soon? Uh, you know, I'm, I don't know. My plan would be to do them both in 2024, but you know, lotteries are difficult. And so like, I've kind of have them penciled in on my calendar and I feel like 24 is the year where if I don't get in lottery, then I'll have to, you know, do the, go the more expensive route, you know, and do maybe mm. like a marathon tour, that kind of thing. Can you do, cause you've done Boston, did you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you could you could do. I, I think I'm probably doing them next year because I've got a good for age in Chicago, so mm-hmm. I can. I sort of. I think I get guaranteed entry into it, so yeah. maybe you can because I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, well, I'll, we'll be there. We'll be there. So if you decide okay. to do it, and then I'll, I think I'll do Berlin this year. So um, sounds like you're not going to make this year for Berlin. You know, there's a chance, but you know, I, I, it's not clear yet. So it's a it's a weird situation. Right. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's have a, let's talk about running shoe brands. So. Okay. Um, Every year we, we've talked a little bit about it, but there always seems to be a couple of brands that are really doing well every year. And then other brands sort of dip out and they seem to have a low year where they're not, they're not really pushing anything. What brands at the moment do you think are the ones that are really to, wants to watch over the next few months? I mean, over the next few months, I feel like we haven't heard all that much from Adidas yet. I feel, still think that some of their biggest franchises were still waiting for shoes. So like, I don't know if we're going to get a Primex update this year. I don't. I think we're going to get an Audios Pro update this year. So like those would be two shoes that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I did get to try the Primex 2 on in uh, the running event in Austin last December. And I'm very, I mean, that's basically my Franken shoe right there. Like all my dream things in one shoe. So like I, that's one. I, I do think they have a, other, a couple of other releases that will be coming later in the year. That like, you know, we've heard a little bit about the Boston so far. They've released like the Audios 8. The Takumi Sen has been really great, but I think that kind of came out last year, really. But um, I think some of their biggest hits are still to come. And so, like, I think Adidas is the one to watch maybe in the next six months. They've been pretty, we always call them Adidas over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get, and we get comments from everyone saying, <laughs> you pronounced it wrong. We, we get that with, with every review brand, basically. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, Adidas is a funny one, isn't it? Because it's just a consistent, it's consistently putting stuff out, and a lot of it is very good. But Nothing ever really seems to be that exciting. I, I mean, the Adios Pro Three, love that shoe. Think it's fantastic and and really like running in it. But I see, I just I felt over the last year that it never really got the sort of awareness or anything that some of the other big shoes shoes did. I think maybe because it was just sort of a consistent. Everyone went, yeah, it's good. I like it. Yeah, I'm going to buy that one. But it didn't really sort of get a whole marketing thing around it that some of the other big brands did, especially with some of the 
you know nike and stuff like that with a with a really the, the big releases yeah you know i think part of that too is that like the the audios pro has tended to come out like really late in the summer and so i think that part of that is like a lot of people have done a lot of buying because they don't ever seem to have like big releases right before boston marathon which i always feel like is kind of a miss for them mm. and then they do have you know the audios pro come out in time for berlin um, but i always feel like there's kind of an underwhelming push to get that on people's feet for berlin and then i think that kind of trickles then you're not going to see as much of a push for people wearing it in chicago or new york which has always been a little bit surprising because i do think that it is one of the better race shoes that it, that is out there so I really liked it. I thought it was really good. Both all three versions I've really enjoyed. And I agree with you that it's like, it's really successful, but it could be more successful. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so leading on from that, I'm going to give you three different running shoe brands. And all you need to do is tell me the best thing about them. So it could be a feature, could be a shoe, could be an ethos, anything that comes to mind. So Nike, what's the best thing? (laughs) Okay. Um... When they want to change something, they can change it very effectively. And so like when they wanted to make a new race shoe, they were able to make a kind of like industry changing race shoe. I mean, like the running industry looks completely different now because of the Vaporfly and what they did with it because they decided we want to make something different and they put all their might behind it and they did it very effectively. So that's something that they can do. Okay. Saucony. Saucony, I feel like they have a really good sense of who their customer is and what they're delivering to that customer. And I think that they're not as big. I I don't mean, I mean, I don't know like the relative sizes, like market cap or anything like that, but I get the sense that they're not nearly as big as some of their competitors, but they are punching way up above their kind of like weight class. And I think they do that by understanding exactly what their customers want and delivering it to them in a very effective way. Good answer. Uh, Okay, then one more Puma. I think that they are um, doing a very good job of showing people that they're here for the running space. Because like I think they kind of disappeared for a little while. And then I know when they started bringing shoes back, and I guess it was like maybe three years ago, four years ago now at this point, um, where we started seeing like the nitro foam shoes coming in. Everyone was like, this is interesting. But like, who's Puma in the running space at this point anymore? We're not sure. And is this like a one or two year experiment? I think they've proved that they're definitely here. They're investing in athletes. They're investing in events. They're investing in community. So I feel like they've showed up and they put their money where their mouth is and they're they're here. They're they're here to stay. Yeah, I think I, this is a yeah, really good point. I, I, I find Puma to be really interesting at the moment because they're in a, they're in a really interesting position in, in what they're doing. They seem to be very experimental, very much driving stuff forward. Not sure, they're not sure that it's all going to work but it's exciting to see. And you see a lot of the other brands and things like Nike where they're delivering new stuff. But if you look at things like the Nike Vaporfly 3, Alfly 2, it's it's slightly changing a model that works as opposed to you look at some of the stuff from Puma, like the, the you know, the Fast R and things like that. They come out and you think, what is, what's it for? I don't even know what it's for. And if you're not unsure <laughs> what the, the shoe's for, it's, it's interesting. Like I, I love getting, uh, I love opening a, a, a shoe box and, and, and going, right, I, absolutely have no idea when i'm going to use this so yeah. do you think though that like regular customers like that as much because i feel like part of me is like you know am i just like a jaded reviewer now and i'm like oh i'm not entertained like this shoe because <laughs> i'm not like wowed by it and i'm like i demand novelty like, yeah. do you think there's a little bit of that going on there with you or like do you think that like regular people think that too i i think there's two sides to it so i think there's a there's a there's a group of people that are, are like us 
and they <laughs> they they want exciting things they want to it's normally the people who may be racing a lot or um you know spending a lot of money on going around the world to these races and they they really want that excitement around running at you know the new the new bay fly three things like that where it's like that's a milestone but i do think there's a side of humor which is something that is quite difficult so i think those shoes are fine i think they sort of sit in this realm of being the fun exciting shoes and really if i bought any puma shoe it would be the uh, uh, deviate nitro elite 2 i probably wouldn't ever pick up one of these quite niche shoes i think i think with with puma the bit the area that they as you say that it is quite confusing probably for for consumers because they don't know what shoe to get and i think that's puma's big problem at the moment Mm. even if you go to the other side of the market which is you know i just want a daily shoe i just want a cushion shoe i went to a shop the other day and i was looking at the pumas and i i just it just all seems so confusing whereas if you look at it's pretty simple with nike isn't it you know you go in there that's a race shoe that's a cushion shoe fine i know which one to get um and i think Socony's got a similar problem at the moment they've got a lot of different lines and they all seem to be doing a similar thing so if you if you said to me okay i want a, a cushion shoe from Socony, you're like okay what maybe there's stability cushion shoe you've got the shift you've got the, the tempus and all these ones really difficult to sort of navigate that and and now we've got there's i don't think i can talk about it but there's other shoes coming out um, <laughs> from, from them which again i opened box the other day and i was like hold on what the, the older version of this didn't wasn't this didn't do this the new version yeah, yeah. this is like okay I, I i don't quite see it seems like they're sort of stacking and stacking up these shoes and yeah. you could pick any of four shoes for the same reason and it's mm-hmm. it's very confusing but yeah i suppose that's um and I, I think sock and puma the two brands that are really doing that a lot yeah you know i think that it goes in cycles too because like brands will kind of expand the product catalog and then kind of see what sticks yeah. and then there'll be like a call and then like certain things will go away i think new balance had that a couple of years back when they were we had like the zante the zante pursuit we had like all these different weird name shoes in addition yeah. to all their number shoes like the 880 the 1080 860 all those and then a lot of that went away i mean some of it still lives on kind of in their casual and gym space but like from the running space a lot of it kind of got narrowed down and so there's kind of like you figure out all right what's gonna kind of work and then you have to narrow it down i think Saucony's on that they're experimenting you know in terms of like what all to do I think that like, I don't know if the Endorphin series was intended to be a capsule collection that existed for three years, but I think because of its success, like they can't get rid of it now. And so like, does everything become like the Endorphin series or does there exist a separate Saucony part outside of the Endorphin series? And how does that look when you're looking and you line them up all on the table? What then? You know, and so I think I agree with you that it can be confusing, but something that I always try to tell people is that like, you know, just because a brand offers 10 shoes doesn't mean that they're telling you you got to buy 10, yeah. you know? And so there, there's sometimes where it's like, people are like, all right, well, what's the difference between the Nova Blast and a Cumulus? I'm like, well, they both are supposed to do the exact same thing, but for two different people, you know, we're all different. We all have different feet. We all have different preferences. And so like, there are a lot of shoes. It can be confusing, but it's like, these are, think of them as like, these are options. There's a lot of runners in the marketplace and a lot of preferences. So the great thing about that is we get lots of things that will feel like these were made just for me. And I just love that feeling. Yeah. And I I suppose the other side of that is a lot of the, the foams and things you, Pume's a good example where a lot of those shoes are really, they're really designed for, you know, elite, sub elite runners that are going to understand the benefits of those foams. If you look at some of the I think it's the fast style that the, the, the fast style one's got the um 
the hard heel section, hasn't mm-hmm. it? And then the softer front. Mm-hmm. And obviously the only people who are going to understand that are the people that are running fast and they're, they're working out what, what the benefit of that is. And they're probably, there's probably a level of it, which is they go, we don't really know. We've got a plan for what we, what we know what we think it will be like, but we want the feedback from people to really understand what works. And um, yeah, it's exciting. And it's good to see that. I like to see brands learning from the consumer as opposed to, you know, saying this is the shoe we're always going to make the shoe the same we're not we're not going to listen to how people use it definitely a lot of that going on with puma okay so this is a tricky one we obviously had complex shoes as a big thing uh still is a big thing but um it's sort of it's become normalized now it's it's there's not a lot of excitement around the carbon plates of shoes because there's so many of them. What do you think is going to be the next big thing where we see something come up and we go, well, hold on, this is new, this is exciting across any shoes, any any type of shoe? Yeah, I think, I mean, this is pure speculation because I do get sometimes information early, but like this is a pure speculation on my part and I just don't know, I don't even know if the science is there. But I suspect that we're going to swing back a little bit from super tall shoes to short, like to lower stack shoes and not because we want, you know, to run in racing flats anymore. You know, I, th- I think that time is gone. I think we're not going to be running marathons in like zoom streaks. And so like, but I think that the shoes will get lower to the ground because of advances in technology, whether it's other materials like carbon and advances that they're making in terms of how they're shaping it within the shoe or things that they're doing with the foams or combinations of foams where we could do more or get the same thing we're feeling now with less material so the shoes will get lighter the shoes will get like lower to the ground uh it'll be harder to sell a little bit because like tall shoe better shoe is an easy kind of like selling point right now in 2023 but i think going forward you know like we're gonna say 35 millimeter stack height and people will be like i don't know what that means until you tell me what what's in it you know and i think that's kind of the future how's this going to affect your frankenstein shoe if uh you don't get to get this <laughs> enormous stack height on it uh, you know, it, I'm, I'm not married to the tall stack height idea, but, but right now I'm in the mindset of taller is better for me. And so like it, it could change the, the Frankenstein shoe might be, you know, world athletics legal. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. So what, what have you got coming up soon then? Is there anything that you're working on? Anything that, um, you're, 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 whether that's racing that you're focused on or, or from, from the point of view of the channel? Yeah. So, uh, I don't, well, in a couple of days, I'm going to Atlanta. I'm going to be running the Peachtree Road Race. It's a giant 10K in the United States, one of the biggest races in the country. I'm really excited to do that because I've never had a chance to run that race before. So that's coming up really soon. We'll be doing a live stream live while we're down there. Uh, shakeout run, so a, a fun weekend of activity. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then uh, the rest of the summer, it'll be a lot of travel. Not a lot of racing for me. So I'll just be getting a lot of running in, but... I'll be visiting some friends in Baltimore. And then I do have a couple of stops in Europe coming up uh, as well uh, later in the year. So um, not really, I can't really announce all of that quite yet, Uh, but I will be in some places where I think that a lot of other people will be later this summer in Europe. Exciting. Well, we might be around some of those. Well, hopefully I'll see you then. I'll tell you when we get off camera. (laughs) (laughs) And so, okay, then last, last, second to last question. So does that mean you are not really following a training plan at the moment? That's true. That's true. So like um, I kind of mentioned that I might be going to Berlin. So I'm like kind of like staying close to Mm -hmm. ready to jump into a marathon training plan um, is kind of where I'm at, kind of like in a holding pattern. Um, But I'm not really doing too many hard workouts. I've been getting ready for this 10K. I've been doing a couple of shorter uh, workouts, but like I'm not really in a hard training program right now. What's What's the aim for the 10K? 
Uh, I mean, it's going to be hot and it's going to be hilly. So maybe mainly just survive. Uh, so like, <laughs> we'll see. I think if I can, if I can finish this 10 K at like my PR marathon pace, that'll be a victory. I'm not oh, even okay. sure I can do that. So are you, are you still in the world of trying to break your PBs or are you more, have you left that now? Uh, I think, I think maybe I have a couple of years left of trying to chase those. So I, I'm going to take advantage of those while I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I still have a couple of goals left. But, you know, there's no more like big round numbers to chase now that I've broken three. And so not to be like, oh, poor me, I have no like more dragons left to slay. Uh, But it does make it a little bit harder to be like, you know, I'd really like to get under 255. You know, that's not as like that that doesn't like, you know, uh, inspire people like being like, I want to break three, you know, so like it makes it a little bit difficult for me to kind of like you know, why am I working so hard again? I can't remember. Cause I want another minute and a half. Is that, is that really what this is all about? It, it but, just falls into the ether, doesn't it? Once you, cause I, I got a sort of three when I was in Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, when, when I saw you and that was, I think, I think I could have got about two, two fifty four, but I, I sort of held back a bit at the end thinking, I don't, no, don't push it. Don't need to, yeah, it was a hard go to crazy. Go. Got my sub three. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play around with it, but, um, but now, yeah, it's like I'm doing Berlin. I'd like a fast time, but I don't just want to sub three. So, so the next thing is probably like, because I got 255 in Chicago, it's like, oh, I'm going to have to get sub 250 now. Right. And knowing how hard it is to get a sub three, it's like, <laughs> oh, it's just, it's just not fun thinking about it. And also when you, if you do it, it's like, oh, I've got a sub 250. It's not really a milestone, is it? It's like, okay, you just got exactly. me faster. Exactly. So it's like, what did you get? Uh, I got to say I got a PB. That's about it. That's going to have to be enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a tricky one. Yeah, I'm in that same sort of world now. There's no real major milestones. Well, I'm going to try and do, do a sub 120 half, but oh yeah, that's a big uh, that's a big ask. So That's speedy. That's really speedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably won't do it. But um, <laughs> yeah, got to have something to set your sights on. You've got to have something to tell people. That, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not at the point where I'm saying, oh, I'm just going to go and enjoy it yet. I'm still right. still feeling a little bit competitive about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so so the last question is not really about running, kind of about running. Uh, uh, so what I'm trying to do with all the guests that we have on the podcast, get three songs from them and add them to a playlist to uh, so people can listen to it uh, if they'd like to. Um, so you've got three song choices. You've got to listen to them for a whole marathon. So not so bad for you if you're if you're getting a sub three, so you're not listening to them too much. <laughs> what three songs are you picking that you've you've got on loop for that that whole race? Uh, you know, I'm really bad with song names because I almost never look like look at the device that's playing the music anymore because I'm either like in the car or I'm listening to it on the run. So I'll give you like kind of artists because mm-hmm. I can't I can't give you any more song names anymore. So I would say one would be like Lincoln Park, especially like the reanimation album. I feel like any one of those songs I could probably listen to on repeat for a really long time. And then there's an artist, Apache, uh, who I really enjoy. And I could probably just, I only need two. Like between those two, like just pick three songs between those two artists that would probably be enough. Because I really just like running to that one. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but the best way I can describe it is if like, if you taught AI to make angry classical music, it sounds like like robots are making classical music and it's a very like electronic. Well, I'm going to go listen to this. Afterwards. And it's, you know, it's a little bit on the angry side. So I'm like, it's perfect for marathoning for me. So, um, that's something so you'll that say I'm you do, you run angry marathons. Yeah. You, you know, I, I've, I've, I've realized that running angry is not so great for marathons. Cause then, you know, you always running a marathon well is about discipline. So like maybe not the best for the entire, but it's really good for workouts. 
So like the workouts, you know, I, I like to listen to angry your music for the workouts because I feel like it helps you get through those reps. And so, you know, and then listening to on the marathon would be fun. Although like, lately I have not been listening to music during a race. Okay. So, you know, I haven't really listened to music during a marathon for Is that because you're filming? That's part of it. But like, I'm also like the guy running around in the race with a selfie stick. And so like, if I'm also like listening to music, people, people are going to be even angrier at me. So I'm um, like, all right, I will just do one weird thing during this race. And then I'll be holding the camera. I will refrain from using music, but I also do feel like there's a benefit to me in uh, racing without music. Cause I've done it with music before too. So I prefer to race without, without music. Okay. And then one last question specifically for you. Okay. Do you, Ever, when you're running a, a marathon and you're filming it or you're or, or in any end of the race and you've got your GoPro, do you think, I wish I wasn't carrying my GoPro now because this is tough? Uh, you know, that happened to me the first couple of times, but I run with it every day now. And so um, I'm very much used to it. And so I don't really even notice it. Like, like to the opposite of that, when I don't have the camera, it made me really upset. So when I r- ran my first sub three, it was at Grandma's Marathon almost a, exactly a year ago. Uh, ben Johnson was pacing me and he was like, it was late into the race and I was struggling. And um, he's like, well, I'll take your camera and then I'll, uh, I'll carry it for you. I'm like, I don't need you to carry it for me. He's like, well, I'll film you for a little while. I was like, fine. So he filmed me for a minute and I thought he was going to give it back, but instead he took off. And so then I don't know if he did it on purpose or not, but now I was like, well, now I got to go catch this guy because I want, I want the camera. Uh, I feel weird not running with the camera. So like uh, that actually helped me get out of a little bit of a funk in the moment because I didn't have the camera with me. So uh, I think the opposite is true. There are only times when I, if I don't have the camera, it causes me a lot of distress. Maybe a smart bit of uh, coaching there from uh, Ben Johnson. <laughs> he's a he's a running genius. So yeah, yeah. well, he's very a very good runner. He's, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, that that was great. Thank you so much for coming on, Mike. That was really Thank really you, interesting. Mike. I got some uh, got definitely got some answers that uh, we haven't heard before. So yeah, really really insightful stuff. So yeah, hopefully hopefully we'll get a chance to to meet up again soon at uh, one of a uh, race uh, yeah. around the world somewhere. Yeah, I can't wait. Cheers, man. Catch you later. All right. Thanks, guys. That's it from us. Thanks a lot for watching or listening. And don't forget to check all the other videos we've got on the channel and give Kafuzi a follow on YouTube and Instagram. Catch you next time. This episode of the podcast was presented by Tom Wheatley and his guest was Kafuzi. The podcast was produced by Tom Wheatley. The music was by Fear of Tigers.